Welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. I remember as a kid, I was told that if you swallowed gum, it would stay in your stomach for seven years. Do you remember hearing that lie? Do you remember hearing that lie that you had to wait 30 minutes after eating before you could swim or else you might die? Do you remember hearing that lie? Do you remember hearing that lie that if you swallowed the pumpkin seed or the the, um, watermelon seeds that you would grow a watermelon in your stomach? Do you remember hearing that lie? Do you remember hearing that lie that if you sat too close to the TV, your eyesight would go bad? Do you remember hearing that lie? And now we have cell phones that we hold straight to our faces every night right before we go to bed. Amazing. Do you remember hearing that lie that um, if you ate carrots, that it would help your eyesight? Do you remember hearing that lie? Do you remember hearing that lie that if you touched a frog, you would have warts too? Do you remember those lies? That sometimes as a kid, you actually believed some of them. You thought, oh no, I swallowed gum and it's going to be in my stomach forever. And then, you know, oh, I, I, I swallowed those watermelon seeds and I had no idea that now, that when's it going to grow, mom and dad? You know, there are these little lies that we believed as children. And as you grow up, you know, you learn that they're not true. But then there are some lies that we believed as kids that moved into our teen years, that moved into our adulthood, that we still hold today. Lies about how to get into heaven, that it's all dependent upon works and hold us down in shame. Lies about value, lies about the, these, these things that as kids and as adults now that we are still trying to unwrap and figure out. And a lot of times what draws people to church and back into a faith type thing is we're looking for truth again. Because there are lies that have been so wrapped up into everything and we, we just try to unwrap the lies that we grew up with, whether it was a parent telling us we were not good enough. And then we go into the workplace, we go into our marriages, we go into life thinking I'm not good enough. Lies of shame and guilt, of of just never being the person that that you could ever really be. And there's just this constantly beating down lies that you are never worthy to be loved. But then there was this Jesus who came. who wanted to unwrap all the lies that we might find truth. Truth that there really is somebody who loves you, not because you're good enough, strong enough, did all the right things, but because he loves you so much he was willing to die for you. Because he saw value in you, because he created you to be his child. Today, as we continue in our study of 2 Corinthians, Paul, the writer of this letter to this church in this region that's close to modern-day Turkey, Paul writes this letter because this church has been lied to. And they're starting to go down a path that is so dangerous for them. And out of his great love to untangle these lies, he writes this section of a letter to unravel. So today, I hope by the end, one that we identify that there are lies out there. And they may not be as easy to see, 
But that truth can be found. And that truth is found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this morning. God, I thank you that you are the giver of truth, that you are the creator of all things. And Jesus, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us this morning, and that we might see you. Lord, I ask that you would bless churches throughout the valley today. God, I thank you that we are not alone in sharing your true gospel. So, Lord, I ask your blessings upon Heritage Church. I ask your blessings upon Desert Springs. Lord, I ask your blessings upon um, Passion Creek. Lord, I ask your blessings upon us here at City View. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, good morning and welcome. I'm excited for Baptism Sunday. We've got, it's just, it's, it's exciting. Um, so if you're here to get baptized today, I'm excited for you. If you came not knowing it's your day, I'm excited for you too, because today just might be your day, your day to take that step of faith in your walk with Jesus. Um, but it's, it's, I feel like it's been forever. Um, it's been two Sundays only. I've been gone. For those who didn't know, I went to a uh, Browns-Cardinals game. Watch the Cardinals lose, but that's just what they do this season. Um, Watch the Browns win. That was fun there in Cleveland. Then took my son, Joel, my, my middle son, on what um, I call dude trips. And so I take my boys when they turn 15, somewhere in their 15, in their, or when they turn 14, in their 14th year, I take them on what's called a dude trip. And I talk to them about four things. I talk to them about what it is to be a man. And these are the four things. So if you're a dude in here, these are the four things. But help you know what a man is. A man rejects passivity. It means they're not a pushover. A man accepts responsibility. A man leads courageously. And a man looks to the greater reward. Meaning you don't look for immediate satisfaction like porn or things like that that just make you happy in a moment. But a man looks to the greater reward like, okay, I'm going to be married someday and I'm going to wait till then. Like those are the kind of things that we talk about on these trips. So it was a lot of fun. Um, I got to preach for my buddy Jonathan while I was there. And now I'm, I get to be back here with you guys and I'm excited. I've missed you and um, we're back in Second Corinthians chapter 11 now. So if you have your Bible, turn there. If not, that's okay. Verses are going to be behind me. So Paul, as he's coming to the end of this letter, this letter has has three more chapters left. He's hitting a huge part in this letter, and he's, he's having to confront these guys that he nicknames the super apostles. These guys that have made themselves out to be these super religious, these ones that everybody should follow, these ones that everybody should look to. He he really, as he dives into who they are, they're these liars, these cheats, these deceivers that have snuck into the church to try to get people to follow them solely on popularity, solely on more of a friendly kind of way of living for God than what God called them to. And so Paul is having to confront this because they started, the church is starting to believe a lie. And as I shared earlier, it's, it's easy to fall into lies. I mean, you look at social media now, it's easy for us to fall into lies. You look at where, what people believe, it's so easy to fall into a lie. It's so easy to believe whatever we see posted or whatever we see said or whatnot. And Paul is, is confronting this lie now. So he's wanting them not to be caught. And so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 15 this morning. I'm going to read these verses, and I'm reading out of the New Living. So it says, I hope you will put up with me for a little, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me. So Paul is sort of a play on words. He's sort of making fun of himself and sort of being a, be, teasing a little bit in, in what he's saying. 
He, he's wanting them to realize like they are believing some things that are not so right. And he says, put up with me with a little bit of foolishness. Can, can we have fun for a little bit is what Paul's saying here. He says, so for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, that's Christ. So he's speaking to these people who've decided to follow Jesus. And he said, I made a promise to you. I made a promise to God that you are God's bride, that you are pure, but you guys are getting distracted. Verse three, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. We're gonna dive deeper into that in just a little bit. He says, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preached or a different kind of spirit than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. I was, as I was talking with my buddy Jonathan, he was sharing with, he showed me a, a, a sermon of a pastor, that, uh, just a pastor. He goes, Jeremiah, so many Christians are following him, but he's preaching lies. He goes, I text a buddy of mine who goes to this guy's church, and he said, do you, th- this guy, this guy's preaching lies. Do you not see it? But we, we, we can if we're not careful, we can so easily be deceived. And I'm going to dive deeper into how we can guard our hearts from being deceived in just a little bit. But I don't consider myself, verse 5, I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles. He's, he's being silly right now. He's trying to be funny. He's trying to get them to see the ridiculousness of the people they're choosing to follow. He says, the super apostles who teach such things. He says, I may, I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I am not lacking in knowledge. Meaning Paul's saying, I'm not the best speaker, which I'll admit, I'm not the best communicator. There are guys who are way better communicators than I am. And Paul's pretty much saying the same thing. But he says, but I'm not lacking knowledge. I don't know if I could say that. We may make, or sorry, we have made this clear to you in every possible way. Was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without expecting anything in return? He said, I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so that I could serve you at no cost, meaning other churches were funding his mission trips so that he might go and preach the gospel to them. That's what Paul is talking about here. He says, and when, and when I was with you and didn't have enough to give on, I did not become financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. I have never been a burden to you, and I never will be. Speaking of this church in Corinth, he says, I have other people paying my salary so that I can preach to you so that I'm not a burden to you. That's what he's saying. He says, surely as the truth of Christ is in me, no one in all Greece will ever stop me from boasting about this. Why? Because I don't love you? No, you know. He said, God knows that I love you. But I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like mine. He says, I hope that you see the way I live and the things that I say are enough truth that you might see the difference between me and them. That's his hope. Have you ever seen somebody, you just look at their life, and you can see the difference between an honest salesman and a liar of a salesman? Have you ever been just seen that? Like, you just look, and you know you've met them. Maybe you know them personally. Like, no, you're a good person. I know you. I've experienced you. And you look at another person and say, no, 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 I'm a good guy. You can trust me. Like, no. Something about your greased back hair. I, one time, 
I had this guy, I got served papers back when Larry and I first got married. I got in a car accident um, in a work truck. And this guy came to my door with slick, at five in the morning, slick back hair, one of those fake leather brown jackets, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, this envelope. He's like, hey, I'm like, You're, you can't be real. This has got to be a joke. This is what I picture, people trying to sell me something. Okay, but it says, but I'm not surprised. It says, these people are false apostles, verse 13. They're deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. For it is no wonder that his servants who also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, in the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. I think we underestimate the ability of a good liar. And I think we give too much value, and I think we give too much trust in everyone. I think that one of the biggest reasons, one of the biggest problems with our culture today is we have this great desire for this utopian society. And I think we think, as a society, we think, given everybody an opportunity, everybody is inherently good. And that they will do good, given the right situation, given the right home life, given the right, all these things, that people will be good, that their thoughts are good, their actions are good. We think that. Would you say I'm accurate? Some of you are like, no, I really believe that. I think all of us, if we're given the right things, we're good. If you've ever had preschoolers before, watch them interact with each other. They will find a way to take, steal, and destroy out of the goodness of their hearts. The only thing that changes a person's life and makes them on the track to be good is when Jesus enters your life and he starts changing who you are. And then you become a better person. Not because you are better, but because the Jesus living in you makes you better. But our culture wants things against God. That's the reality. God says, for there is no, no good, no not one. But we give so much credit. When you walk into a car lot, are you expecting the truth or a lie? How many of you, when you walk into a car lot, are you expecting this guy? He's going to be so honest with me. I walked into one car lot. Laramie and I, this is back in the day, we were looking for a minivan. We walk into Honda Peoria, whatever the dealership is over there on Bell Road and whatnot. And we walked, the, I had already talked to the guy. Somehow he already knew I was a pastor. And he goes, oh man, I, what am I, some, said something about somebody in his life was going to be a pastor. We get into the car and guess what kind of music was on the radio? Guess. Christian music. And I was like, I don't even listen to this in my own car. Got you. <laughs> Sorry, kidding. But I mean, I don't listen to, not Christian radio. I choose what I don't listen to. But I'm like, you are such a sneaky guy. And Larry and I both were like, we're not buying, we don't trust this guy at all. Now, I don't trust many car salesmen, period. I just feel like you're lying to me no matter what. Do you ever feel that way? I think, and I know this, you may say, Jeremiah, you're just being negative. I think we need to walk around more with an attitude like that then everybody's trying to tell me the truth.
Paul applauded the church of Berea. Do you know why? Because they questioned. Because they searched for truth. Because they didn't want to be lied to. They questioned Paul himself. Are you really telling us the truth? And so this church, they were starting to believe these little lies that sounded pretty convincing. But everything that was said was just a little off. Everything these new guys that were coming into this church preaching, it was just a little off-center. It was just one little drop of poison. If I had a glass jar up here and I dropped one little drop of rat poison in it, would you drink it? One small drop, would you drink it? Why not? Why, why wouldn't you? It's just one drop. It's one tiny drop. But the thing is, there's so many, what was happening in this church is there's one little drop after another. And Paul's like, that's diluting the truth. It wasn't like these, these, these guys coming into this church were telling straight out lies. It wasn't like they say, hey, we know Paul's been telling you that Jesus is the Messiah, but we, he... He lied. Her, her name really is Henry the Messiah. And Jesus just was just her side chick. And that's all. It wasn't like they were coming in saying these straight out insane lies. They're like, wait a minute. This is way far off. It was little by little. And most of it was about your works getting into heaven. It was about making sure that you did the right things to get into heaven. It was about making sure you paid the right amount of money to get into heaven. It was about making sure you did all these things that you might get there. And that's how the enemy works. Your enemy, the devil, Satan, is out to get you, whether you believe it or not. And I think so many times, like, I was thinking about focusing solely on verse 3 this morning. Because if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 11... To 11. You following my track of thought, train of thought? Verse 3 is like the happy verse. But devote yourselves with pure and undivided devotion to the Lord. But what does Paul really focus his time on? Not being lied to. If he focuses so much time on not being lied to, do you think that's more important for us too? To know where the lies are coming from? Your enemy, the devil, it says, it says in Peter, it says, he prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is looking, seeking, prowling. He does it through social media. He does it through, you know, the things you watch going, man, I'm not good enough. I'll never be as pretty. I'll never be as strong. I'll never be this. He does it through your school. He does it through teachers. He does it through your work. He does it through all these different things. There's these little lies that we believe that we start adding to. He does it through religions. He does it through churches. And many of us have been lied to. And we're almost put to sleep and we don't even realize. We don't believe we don't believe that there really is this deceiver, the devil, Satan looking. And he will use anything and everything at his disposal to use it to distract, deceive us so that we might become ineffective. That is what Satan has been doing. And Paul here in verse 3, he uses this illustration. He, he points back to the story of what happened in Genesis. 
So if you have your Bibles or if you ha- on, the, on the app, turn to Genesis chapter three. This is the first deception. Paul says, do not be deceived like Eve. So what does he mean like Eve? Says, <clears throat> verse one, now the serpent, man, I've been doing some study on this. It's tons of fun. I'm not even gonna dive, it'd be wayside, but I'll, if you wanna, I'll tell you later. Some other day I'll preach on this. Now the serpent, Satan, was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, meaning Satan, said this to the woman. Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to her, you truly will not die. For God knows that in the day you will eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Satan came, and the first thing he did was cause doubt. He made her think God was lying. He says, did God really say? He made her question God. And then he says, she says, no, no, God said this. And he said, no, God actually lied to you. That's, that's what he says to her. He, she says, she says, no, God said we should not eat or touch, and then if we do, we will die. And he says, you surely won't die. He says, God lied to you. God lied. And then finally he says, God is keeping something good from you. And that's the lie the world uses all the time. Through coveting, through relationships, through sex, through so many different things. We feel like, okay, God, but living for you, if I live for you, God, then I'm, I'm being kept from all these good things. If I choose to live a life for you, am I being kept from good things? And I remember thinking that of as, as a kid and, and God was keeping me from good things, but it wasn't God was keeping me from good things, it was God was keeping me from things I don't need. There are things as parents that you know that aren't good for your kids and you keep your kids from them, but somehow they still do them, don't they? And then when they do it, they hurt. And who do they come to? They come to you. And you say, I told you, right? Were you keeping from them from something good? No, you were keeping them from something you knew would hurt them. Could it look good? It might look good. And the devil was like, God's keeping you from something good. And it says, and, and as Paul is writing this to the church, he says, do not be deceived like Eve. Do not think that God is trying to keep you from something good. He caused Eve to look elsewhere for goodness. Her eyes drifted from God and on to something else. Little distraction, little doubt, major destruction. You see, the devil wants you to doubt God. He wants you to live in fear. He wants you to live in insecurity, to avoid community, to be led astray. And in the end, he wants to destroy you. That's the devil's plan. 
It's not for good. And, and in our world, we, we, we see, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you, can, if you can see where the world is going right now. I don't know if you can honestly look and say, okay, well, is it going good? Is it getting better or worse? I don't know if you can truly be honest with yourself whether or not this world is getting better or worse. Some of you are older than me, and so you've seen the world way different than I've seen it. I've seen it from 1978 till now. I didn't know much of it from 1978 till mid-'80s when the good music was around. But some of you, you've seen it since the 50s. Some of you 40s, I don't know if anybody's seen it earlier than that. I'm not going to dive into that. If you have, you've seen it longer than me. You've seen it where you could leave your doors unlocked. You've seen it to where you could let your kids play outside. I remember my parents would let me go play miles away from our house. And it wasn't like they had some whistle I don't know how we knew when to come home. It was like, be home in a few hours. None of us had watches or cell phones. We weren't even given the streetlight rule. We just sort of knew. It was like in you that you knew when it was time to come home. Some of you are unwilling to admit that our world is getting more and more dark and instead you blame it on everything else instead of the one who's making it darker. We think give people opportunities and they'll make it better. Do people not have more opportunities now to do whatever they want than ever before? So is it getting better? You tell me. You be the judge. You tell me, is it getting better? Do people not have more opportunities now than ever before? Is it getting better? So what does that tell you? That there's an evil force, an evil person named the devil, not the devil. His, that's, a, that's actually a title. His name's not the devil. That's a title. If you ever look in scripture, you see that term, the devil. It's giving you the title of who he is. That means the devil means the adversary, your accuser. His name is Satan. Like, I don't call you the Dwayne. If that helps you understand why that's not his name. I don't call you the Deborah. You're Dwayne and Deborah. Satan is the God of this world. And you can see what freedom does. And Paul sees that in his day. And he says, do not be deceived. The devil did all these things. He wants you to doubt God, live in fear, feel insecure, avoid community, be led astray, and be destroyed. He did all these things to Adam and Eve in one moment. Verse 8 of chapter 3 in Genesis says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God moving, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord called to man and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to? The devil, he first caused doubt in Eve. And then we see that in that doubt, after they ate, they hid in fear. And then we see that they were insecure. 
they became ashamed because of their nakedness. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, it was always an interesting verse to me. It says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. But now we see in just a handful of verses that they realized they were naked and they hid in shame. Because that's what the devil does. He causes you to live in shame. Insecurity of who you are, how you look. I mean, women, I don't know about you. I don't know how you live, but from what I know, I just sat around a table with a whole bunch of high school parents at Greenway a couple weeks ago. And one of the biggest things they talked about regarding their daughters was their daughter's insecurity of who they are, of how they look. And they said, school, how can you help? And I, being a pastor, am sitting at this table going, "How, school, you can't help. But Jesus, you can If that's just a handful of high school girls that I'm listening to their parents, I know it's all in you as well. That there's an insecurity and the devil loves to get that in because then what do you do? You you pursue security in anything else. That's what the devil wants. He wanted Eve to pursue security in something else. And then what was the next thing they did? It says they hid from God. They hid from community. They, and that's what we do when we feel like we're in sin. We feel like our mistake. When we make a mistake, what do we do? The first thing we do is we get rid of community. We leave a, a relationship or the, a safe place where people truly love us. And the safest place is the community that is here. The church should be at least. But the moment we fall in sin, that's usually the first place we don't go to. It's usually the first place we stop serving. It's usually the first place we stop attending. It's one of the first places that we check off going, man, I'm too bad. But you see, that's what the devil loves to do. We don't realize that we have an enemy of the devil. He's out the prowl, and he's on his way. He's trying to get in every single one of our lives, and he's actively in all of our lives. Whether we believe it or not, he is doing things. He's causing lies. He's been doing it from the beginning. He didn't stop in Genesis 3. He will not stop until we come to the end of Revelation. Don't miss next year. And after they hid in community, they were led to believe a lie. Who told you? That was God's first question. Who told you you were naked? And the result was death. This is Satan's plan. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 11, 13, and 14. These people, speaking of people that are in churches, there are churches even today that are being led, that are, that are lies, that are false Christian churches, that preach a false gospel, that preach false truths. That pr- any church that preaches Jesus and not Jesus only, you've got to ask, why do we need more than just Jesus? Because Jesus was enough. 
says, these people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. That moment when Satan disguised himself as an angel of light was when he met with Jesus, when Jesus was being deceived in Matthew chapter 4. And four different, three different times, um, Satan comes up to Jesus and he offers him good things. That's why he's called an angel of light. He's offering him good things. He says, hey, if you do this, I will give you this good thing. If you do this, I will give you this good thing. If you do this, I will let you be the king of kings. If you do this, you know, you will get the food you need. He's disguising himself as an angel of light. And he will use anything and any, anything and anyone to distract you from the one thing that's Jesus. It says in John 8, 4 that he is the, Satan is the father of lies. In John chapter 10, 10, it refers to Satan as the thief. The thief comes only to do three things, to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, but I came that I might give you life and that you might have it abundantly. The devil hates that. He knows the end of the story. He's going to fight it as much as he can. He thinks there's, there's an, a plan B. He thinks that by chance he might be able to get out of it. But no matter what, his plan is to destroy every life in here. He may know, you know what, yeah, maybe they're going to heaven, but I'm going to tear them down. I'm going to make them ineffective. I'm going to help them believe lies. I'm going to make them feel insecure in who they are. I'm going to do everything I did to Eve because his plan is the same. He's going to cause you to doubt. Did God really say, no, God didn't tell you the truth. No, that the, the devil's plan hasn't changed. He's going to make you dads feel ineffective saying, well, who are you to be able to pour into your kids? You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not a good enough leader. He's going to make you mom saying, moms, you stink as a parent. Look at how you failed. You yell at your kids today. You think you're really good enough to take your kids to church? Who do you think you are? And you need to just say, you know what, God? Thanks for loving me. I am a mess. But God, you love hot messes like me. That's who you use. Use what the devil is saying at you and use it for you. You know what, devil? You're right. And that's why I need Jesus Christ to save me from my sins. You know what, devil? You're right. And I'm so thankful for God's grace. You know what, devil? You're right. Thank you for pointing that out and reminding me of why I need a Savior so much. And so do my kids. The devil is fighting for your kids. He is fighting for every minute of their life. He gets them at their schools. He gets them in places of friends. He's getting there to distract them. Whether you believe it or not, he is there. He's doing everything he can. He it doesn't stop at you. It doesn't matter if your kids are at a Christian school or you're homeschooling them. If you think they're safe, you're lying to yourself. Eve couldn't have been more safe. It's her and Adam in the middle of the garden. And that's homeschooling to the core. Paul says in verse 3, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. The New American says, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. 
if Eve's eyes, if Eve's eyes were fixed on God's goodness, and she would have committed to him and trusted him, her first words have been yes. Her first words would have been yes. God did say, "Don't eat from it," and I believe him, so I won't. And walked away. But instead, she thought, maybe God is keeping something good for me. <clears throat> Paul is saying, you have made following Jesus complicated. You have put more on your shoulders than meant to be. You put, okay, I have to go to church. If I don't go to church, then God will be mad at me. I have to read my Bible, because if I don't read my Bible, God will be mad at me. I have to serve. I have to do all these things. And we put this weight of what it is that God's looking for for a Christian. Instead of putting it all on Jesus, we put a lot of it on us. And the moment we fail in one area, we believe those lies of the devil. You're not good enough. I was thinking, as Paul's saying, devotion to Christ. I was thinking, how do I show devotion to my wife? And I asked some questions of friends, and their responses were good, but what was funny to me is their responses were dependent upon how they worked for their spouse, how they served them. Instead of looking in love at their spouse, Nothing bad. I just found it interesting. And I, I, because that's where my brain went first. Well, how do I show devotion to my wife? Well, when I serve her, when I do these things for her, when I do this, I'm like, but that's, that's not what, that's not what God's asking from me. So what is it? And I thought, well, it's when I trust her. When I build a relationship with her. And as I love her. That's showing devotion to her. And out of those things, other things come. So this, I was thinking, this is how we show pure and undivided devotion to Christ. This is how we can avoid the lies. This is how we can start filtering out the lies that the world is pouring in so many times. First, we trust him. We trust God's word. How do we know we trust God's word? By knowing his word Joshua says this in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you will be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will be successful. It's amazing at what people know. My wife is the queen of knowing who sings what song. If you're ever in a car with her, you say, okay, Laramie, who sings this song? She will know it. It's Whether it's country, rap, it doesn't matter. If you play rap from the 80s or 90s, she will know it in a matter of just play her the first few lines. I'm like, how do you know this? I was sheltered. I only listened to like Jesus Freak and stuff like that. <clears throat> Whatever my parents played from like the 40s and 50s. That's what, all I knew. But she knows it. But we know song lyrics. Some of you, if I were to ask you sports stats, you would know sports stats. If I asked Tony movie lines, Tony knows movie lines like crazy. Some of you, you know celebrity facts more than you should ever know. You know way too much about other people's lives. Sort of like Kelly from The Office. She knows everything about every celebrity. Some of you know car engine, car parts. You ask my boys, and I'm like, I, the other day I was getting a part from one of, for my, my, one of my, my SUV. And they go, what size is the engine? I go, Joel, what size is the engine in the, the GMC? He's like, it's a da 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 I'm like, 
Why, why do you know that? Then I was talking to my friend Jonathan, and we were talking about the current state of the church. He's like, Jeremiah, there's gonna be a day when we're gonna have to decide whether we're gonna follow God or not. And he goes, there's gonna be so many Christians who are gonna choose not to because it's too hard because they have not made God's word a, pro- a priority in their life now. What makes them think that when life gets harder, they would make God a priority then? They won't. If you can't make it now, you won't make it later. Joshua says, let this book of the law not depart from my mouth. Let me meditate on it day and night. Joshua's saying, I wanna know God's word so much. I want it to be entrenched in every area of my life. That's the first thing. Trust him. You will trust him by knowing him. A friend of mine was a banker, and I asked him, I said, Bill, how do you know when you're getting a counterfeit? He said, by studying the real thing. I said, you don't study the fake? He goes, no, you don't study the fake. You study the truth. When you know the truth, the fake is easy to see. So many of us, we study the fakes, and then we have a hard time knowing the truth. Know this. This doesn't make you more holy in God's eyes, but what it's gonna do is it's gonna help you know God. It's gonna help you know his goodness, know his love. And as you read it, as you see the stories, as you see the things, God is gonna use his word to encourage and empower your life every single day. The second thing is pursue a relationship with him. That's in your time, in your communication, and in your commitment. Says in Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Pursue a relationship with him, with your time. Pursue a relationship with him, with your communication. That means talking to him, talking to him in prayer. Some of you are, are like, I don't know how to pray to God. You, if you can talk to a person, you can talk to God. God's not looking for some holy prayer. I know some of us have been raised in religions. We've been raised in different Christian faiths where we feel like there has to be some mediator between us and God or you have to say the certain kind of words. That's not God. God wants a relationship with you. Draw near to him and he promises to draw near to us. The third thing is love him. And in all reality, it's receiving his love for you. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. First John chapter four, verses nine and 10 says, by this the love of God was manifest in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him in this love. Not that we love God, but that, but that he loved us and sent his son as a propitiation, as the payment for our sins. These liars everywhere, in this church specifically, at this church in Corinth, they are pressuring salvation on them, on works, on practices, and on service. As long as you do these things, as long as you say these words, as long as you live this kind of way, then salvation is possible. And Jesus says, no, 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 salvation is on me. It's on me. Paul says, man, you've made things so complicated. The gospel is so simple. Romans chapter five, verse one says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, that none of you is to boast. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. 
It's simple. It's faith in Jesus. Faith in believing that he died for you. Believing that he rose again and believing that he loves you. When we believe this, we have peace with God, the Bible says. It's not faith plus works. It's not faith plus you doing, making sure you go to church 52 times a year. It's not faith plus making sure you, you pay your tithe and you do your things. It's not faith plus this. It's not faith plus making sure you go on your mission or you go on these things. It's not faith plus making sure you, you do these different things. It's not faith plus anything. It's faith plus grace equals salvation. It's faith, and then it's believing in that faith. That's what grace means. Grace is like, you know what, God, you did all the work. That's what it is. And Paul says, live this way, pure, simple devotion to Christ. It's having faith in him, believing in his grace, and that's pure and devotion to Christ. Don't be distracted with anything else. The writer of Hebrews says this, fixing our eyes on him. I asked my son once, when you catch the football, what is it you want to do? I want to make a touchdown. That's, his, that's what he's fixing his eyes on. It's the goal. It's the prize. It's making that. Now, does he get there every time? No. He's not focused on, I'm looking at whether or not I need to get to the sideline. I'm not looking at whether or not I need to get to the 10-yard line. I'm not looking at going, okay, I need to get a first down. No, his goal is the prize. For those of you who play defense, your goal is to get the quarterback or to get the guy with the ball, right? You have one goal. The writer of you says, fix your eyes on Jesus, not on all the distractions. Pure devotion to Christ. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, there's distractions everywhere. And there's a liar. He will do everything he can to distract you. But there's a savior who came, died to give you life, to give you hope, to give you a purpose, and to give you a future. The world will feed you lies every day, but Jesus offers the truth. So today, I encourage you, follow Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Because it's in him that you will find life. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. You are a good God who does good things. <clears throat> and God, I thank you for being truth. I feel like maybe some somebody in this room today, maybe you need to, you, you realize you've been believing a lie that maybe you could never be good enough to get into heaven. You know things about your life that I don't know, that your kids don't know, that people don't know. And you think there's no way God could ever love and forgive me. That's a lie the devil would love for you to believe. He would love for you to believe you're not good enough. He'd love you for believe. And the thing is, you're not good enough. 
Because it's not dependence upon your goodness. It's dependent upon Jesus' goodness. And Jesus died on the cross thinking about you. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That joy was knowing that he was paying the payment for your sins to be forgiven. That was the joy. So today, if you want to choose to follow Jesus with your life, to start pursuing truth and getting out of the lies, I ask that you pray with me. Say, God, forgive me. I'm not worthy. But please forgive me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. God, I ask that you would set me free from lies, from shame. God, help me to live for you now. Thank you for your son Jesus. God, be Lord of my life. And may I follow you with it in Jesus' name. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message.